Hear God's word from John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. True light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. As we look at God's word, we come as people who need help. We need God's spirit to illuminate his word to us. So let us begin with a moment of prayer. Lord, help us to understand. Help us not to just have a historic understanding, but help us to be changed by your Spirit as your Word is living and active. May we be submitted to it. May we understand it more. May we apply it to our lives. For your glory, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, if you have a Bible with you, you're welcome to turn with us to John chapter 1. The passage, of course, is in your bulletin. And if you have a pew Bible, it is in page 833. But we're beginning not just a new church today, but also a new sermon series. And we're going to be going through the book of John. It may take us quite a while to get through, as it has 20 plus chapters. And as you can see from today's reading, it's kind of long and it's only 18 verses. And so we want to set the stage today for what our church is going to be about and what this book is about, and Lord willing, those will be the same thing. Uh, I want to start by just pointing out that the beginning of John's gospel here is an introduction. We all have many introductions in our lives. Every relationship we have began with an introduction. Uh, If you can think of the most recent time you had an introduction, it might have been in the lobby before church. You might have been introduced to me or somebody else. School just started. It might have been that awkward first day of class where everybody has to stand up and say, I'm, I'm Sue, yeah, I'm Billy, and uh, you know, you're not sure how much to say. There's other introductions that are more like a small group, like a sports team. You've got to have some understanding of who you're interacting with. 
uh, a new colleague at work, a meeting, people you don't know coming in, and there's different types of introductions. And the way that we introduce ourselves, the way that introduction is formed, has a lot to do with our goal in the relationship. Right? Some of our introductions are really formal. If you are going to have a job interview, they aren't going to be concerned about your family history or you know, where you grew up or what your favorite kind of candy bar is. They want to know your work experience. They want to know your education. They want professional references. They have very specific information they need to know about you. Uh, you might have something that's intensely personal, an introduction in the doctor's office. They need to know everything about your family history. Does your family suffer from this ailment? Or imagine a personal conversation over a first date between a man and a woman. You want to know where this person's from. What do they value? Our introductions are shaped by our goal. And John has a goal with his introduction. In fact, he has a goal with his whole book here that he's written, and thankfully he told us exactly what it was. Towards the end of John's gospel, he says these words in chapter 20, verse 30 and 31. It says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you may have life in his name. So John didn't write down everything. There's many other things he could have written down, but these things, these 20 chapters of things that Jesus did and said, he wrote down for a very specific purpose. He wrote them down so that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you may have life in his name. And implied in that statement is that by not believing in him, when we don't believe in him, when we don't understand who he truly is, we lack life. So John knows there's this problem. He knows there's a need for people to understand who Jesus is, but not just understand details about him, but to believe who he truly is. The Christ, the promised one who's to come, the very Son of God. Bold claims made by John. His, his, his intent is to convince us. And so his introduction should be viewed in that way. As we come to this book, there's going to be times we're going to have to put on uh, first century Jewish ears to understand what's happening. That's kind of a weird thing to say, I know. Um, but he's writing this book to people at the time when Jesus was alive. And so sometimes there's a gap between our world and his world. And so we need to do some work of slowing down to understand what is he getting at? What, is, what are we missing as 21st century Americans that a first century Palestinian might have understood? So to help us get into the 
ears of the first century Jewish person, we can imagine ourselves having lived at the time when this letter was written. Perhaps we've heard things about who Jesus was. We've heard that he was executed by the Roman government, and we know there are people making claims that he did incredible things. In fact, he did miraculous things, and they are even claiming that he rose from the dead. John is writing to help fill in those gaps. What really happened? What did he really say? What are the people that lived day in and day out with Jesus see and hear? John's gospel is a little different than Matthew's gospel, than Luke's gospel, than Mark's gospel. Back when these were all written down and originally sent around to the churches, they were all codified in a book. It's called a codex. They all had their own particular bent of how they were going to introduce people to Jesus. If you look at Matthew's gospel, it begins by saying, um, the genealogy of Jesus, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So Matthew wants you to see Jesus as the son of Abraham, the promised son, and the, the king on the line of David. And that's this necessary lens to understand who Jesus is. Mark doesn't have really any introduction. We just get this quick John the Baptist is here, and Jesus is baptized, and he starts doing stuff. Mark begins by showing us what Jesus did. Luke begins with Jesus' birth. The Christmas story you may all be very familiar with, found right at the beginning of the Gospel of Luke. But John is doing something different. He's not just pointing back to when Jesus was born or when Jesus began his public ministry, or the fact that Jesus is a descendant of Abraham and David, though all of those things happened and are important and true, John is taking a different approach. And he is bringing us back much further than those other events. And as we look at this introduction, there's really only two things that we often ask when we get introduced or when we're introducing ourselves. Who am I and what am I doing here? You know, that guy walks into and knocks on your door. Who are you and why are you here? That's all I need to know. Uh, the new client comes in, hey, who are you? How can I help you? Why, why have you come in today? And those are the two questions we hope to answer, not only in this introduction, but throughout John's gospel. Who is Jesus and why did he come? So, let's look at the text. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was the life and the light, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. It's a very awkwardly stated, somewhat mysterious paragraph for us to contemplate. But it ought to raise our attention when we hear words like, in the beginning. Where might we have heard such a phrase? Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep, and God said. 
So John is drawing on this imagery of creation. He is drawing us back not just to Jesus' birth, not just to Abraham, but all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning. That beginning. And it's no surprise he uses words like darkness and light. And uses this phrase, the word. How did God create the things? God said, let there be light with the power of his word. And so we are seeing here an expansion, a somewhat scandalous expansion of what we might think God is like. Of course, we all had believed that in the beginning, the Lord made the heavens and the earth. He was there and he did all of these things. But now John is trying to say that there was this other thing there. The word that was with God. So it's distinct from God as we know him, but he actually was God. So he's divine. And then he was in the beginning. So now it's a person. Who is this other person in creation? John is making a very bold claim here that Jesus has eternally existed, that he is divine, that he is the agent through which God created everything. Even this weird phrase, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Right? There's nothing that was made that wasn't made through Jesus. He's the source of life. And through the life that's available in Christ, it brings light to men. The light that shines in the darkness. Now the idea of the word isn't completely foreign to Scripture. In fact, it's heavily used in the Old Testament. If you've ever read any of the prophets, uh, the word of the Lord came to Isaiah and told him some stuff. The word of the Lord came to Daniel. The word of the Lord came to the prophets. And when you read those passages, it's almost like a person comes. So it's, it's, it's kind of has that feeling. Like all of a sudden, this, the thing shows up and gives information, gives something God has to say to his people. And we're learning here that that is a person. And that Jesus has been at work in the world since the very beginning. Not created by God, but God himself. The one who has always been the interaction between heaven and earth. Always the one revealing God's will to his people. We know that Jesus, John came and he wasn't, he wasn't the light. Okay, we're going to just kind of pass over that a little bit for now. We'll come back to John next week. John the Baptist. But why did he come? So who is Jesus? Who am I? Well, we're being told a lot of bold things about who Jesus is. And then we want to know why did he come? Why did he come? What do you want? Well, he came to give light to the world. It says that he was in the world, but the world did not know him. There was something hidden about God's, the word's work in the world. But we're told that though he was rejected by the people of Israel, those people whom he descended from, those who did receive him, who believed in his name, he came to make them become children of God. And it's beginning to tell us not only part of the purpose of why Jesus came, but also 
who he is, the power he has, the authority he has. This God, the word who existed from the beginning of time, who is the one who created everything, is now coming to make people into children of God. Think about that language there with our passage from John 20. He believed in his name, believed that he was the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing they would have life, that by believing they would be born of God. And then we learn more about who God is and why he came, what he wants. Verse 14, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son, from the Father, full of grace and truth. And here's probably the most scandalous statement in all of religious history. God became a man. We take it for granted, right? We're 2,000 years past the idea of Jesus being born. The Word became flesh, became a man, and dwelt among us. Now here we need to do some first century Jewish reading. The word dwelt here is the same word that's used to describe the tabernacle in the Old Testament. He came and tabernacled among us. And why is that significant for us? Well, do you know what the tabernacle was? Back when Egypt, in the the exodus out of Egypt, the Israelites came out and they built this tabernacle, this temporary movable temple where the presence of God would come and dwell in the midst of their people. This public display of God dwelling with his people. How far greater is this, that God has become a man and dwells with us, tabernacles with us, is present with his people, not in a cloud and fire, in a distant tent, but in the tent of humanity. The separation between heaven and earth has been bridged. God has come. He goes on to say that from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Don't overlook those. Those are the things that are pointing you to the tabernacle. When it says Moses, why is he talking about Moses all of a sudden? Because of that idea of tabernacling with us. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. And that last sentence there, this is truly what Jesus has done. This is what John is doing for us, is that Jesus came certainly to make us into children of God for those who believe in him, but he has come to reveal to us what God is truly like. If we want to know what the Father is like, we need to look to what Jesus is like. If we want to know what God is truly like, what he really thinks, how he really acts, well, we have it written down for us. He shows us what God's glory is truly like. He shows us God's character in a person, in a lived life, in interactions with ordinary people in an ordinary day. As John has gone through this kind of opening introduction, he's set the stage for his book. 
These are all the themes he's going to continue to elaborate on in the days ahead. What does it mean that God was the world, uh, was the word and that he created all things? What does it mean that he's the light and the life? What about this imagery of light and darkness? What does it mean to be born of God? Who's this John guy that's coming to testify that he's not the light? What is the Father really like? These are the questions that John is going to unpack for us in the verses ahead, the chapters ahead, and that we will go through together. And the goal, remember, the goal of this introduction is to set the stage so that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. We don't want to just believe that, you know, these things happened. It's good for us to believe they happened. In fact, they must have happened. Otherwise, we're believing in vain. We need to know what Jesus said. We need to know the things he did. We need to know that he rose from the dead. But knowledge doesn't get us the whole way there. We need to be born of God. We need his spirit to be at work. We need to be convinced and convicted. We need to be transformed by his word. So that we can believe that he is the Christ. Believing that Jesus is the Christ is not just this, yep, I think he's the Christ. I'm going to pass that test. Is Jesus the Christ? Yes. It's believing that this is the one, the one who's able to do the things that we can't do for ourselves. God's sent one, the one who's been anointed with the Holy Spirit, the very Son of God. And that by believing, that when we truly believe these things, it doesn't just change our minds. It gives us new life. Life that we didn't have before. Life that's only available through Jesus. Life that's only available through one who's eternally existed, who created the world, who has always been active in the world and has now come as a man to reveal to us what God is truly like. And this is the purpose of our church to be here, to proclaim, to convince people on an ongoing day-in and day-out basis about who Jesus truly is, to convince them to believe, to explain what it means that he was the Christ, what it means that you can find life in his name, to tell them of what has been said, to share what has been given to us, that people in Fargo-Moorhead might have life. quite simple, really, and it's quite easy. The, the things that are written down here are not difficult to understand. I mean, we can get into the meaning of all of the words, and we did a little bit of that. And, uh, you know, this, this comma here means that, and this participle means that, but it's plainly written for us. God's word is available. And as we interact with it, we must pray that it has the impact that John is begging for us to have that we would believe more that I would believe more that we would understand more deeply what it means that Jesus has come as a man that he has borne our sins that he has died in our stead that we can have life through his death it's available to us we just have to find it
It's right here. God has given it to us through his apostles and prophets. Our job is simple. We pray. We seek the Lord. We trust that his spirit will be at work in our midst. That's why we're here. That's why we're starting this church. That's what John wants us to do. May we respond in faith to this commission. May we take this week to just remove ourselves from our assumptions. Of course Jesus came. Of course Jesus was in the beginning. And reflect on what that really means about who he is. Do we really believe who he is? May God give us the grace to do so. May he stir our hearts to have a devotion that's equivalent to who he is. Not some mere man, but the Son of God. And may we have the courage to share it with others and experience the life that's promised for ourselves. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for sending your Son, for revealing who you are through a person, through ordinary, everyday interactions, by becoming a man. Lord, we can't fully grasp the magnitude of the things that John has introduced to us. Help us in the weeks ahead to delve into them, to be convinced by them. We need your help. We need Jesus. We need life. We pray that you would give it to us in his name. Amen.